brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host. And once again, we are on the road to Matt Reeves, the Batman. In fact, this is going to be our final stop along the road to the Batman before we get to the movie itself. So our very next episode will be the long-awaited review for the Batman. Uh, myself and my co-host already have our tickets, and we are excited and ready for it. Um, but before we get there, once again, I mentioned my co-host, and he is, of course, the co-chair of TFR. You know him, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing good, Eric. Happy lead-up to the Batman. Uh, I can't believe how close we are. We are about... A week and a half, if not a little less. It's it's crazy to think that we've gotten that far already. Yes, and uh, you and I have have tickets for that March first screening, so uh, I'm very excited about that. Get to see it a few days early. That's exciting, right? Yeah, and um, it's funny looking at some of the press. Uh, I've tried not to watch too much of the press stuff, but everyone that's doing these interviews has already seen the movie. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, please don't say too much. And it seems like everyone's pretty much keeping it under wraps, which is good. And the embargo doesn't lift till Monday, I think, the 28th. So we should be good. Just avoid it for a day or two. And uh, hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get to enjoy the movie spoiler free. Yes, I will. Uh, this is one I will not be reading any reviews or anything like that. I'm just I, I want to go in as cold as possible. You know, we've we've seen all the trailers and things like that. But yeah, this is one I'm not going to read any reviews beforehand. Um, but so far as today, before we get there, like I said, this is our final stop on the way there. You guys know we've covered some of those uh, some of those books that are in the the Batman box set that DC has released. Um, we've covered the the uh, the Long Halloween, which was not part of this road to the Batman, but we've covered it previously. If you want to go back and hear it, we also covered Batman Year One, and today we are going to talk a little bit about Batman Ego. Now, this is the uh, third book in the box set, and it's been mentioned a lot in the lead-up to the Batman. Um, Robert Pattinson has discussed it a lot. Matt Reeves has discussed it a lot. So, Joe, tell me 
about um, a little bit about what you know about Batman Ego and like when you first read it and all that good stuff. I don't remember when I first read it. It's been a long time. Um, I want to say it was a good four or five years ago that I first read it. I remember uh, I remember buying the trade. I remember sitting on my porch and reading it for the first time. Uh, and I didn't know anything about it prior. A funny thing with me with Darwin Cook is, um, and it's a shame we have since lost Darwin Cook. Uh, and when I first read this book, you see Darwin Cook's artist. I always assumed that he was an older man and he's been around a long time. And then, you know, the more you you know learn about him, you learn that like he just has a great way of of drawing Batman. Or drawing, you know, the DC uh, characters in general uh, to make them really look classic. They have a great classic look to them. And I love mm. his artwork so much. And that was the first thing that really caught my eye with this book was Darwin Cook's art. And then I – it's a quick read. It's not anything um, too extreme. But it is a great emotional story. And the book kind of has two parts to it. Uh, in the way I look at it is there's the, you know, and we'll get more into it, but there is kind of a, where the book kind of takes a turn and goes into the actual, I guess the, the ego part. Mm. And, but I just, yeah, I remember just reading it and thinking, wow, that's a really cool take on the character of Batman. And it's hard to, to really get into my favorite parts or anything like that until we really dive in here. But yeah, I I remember picking up the trade. It's got a lot of other stuff in the trade. I know you um, you have the actual original prestige format, correct? I do, yes, sir. Which is awesome. Yeah, I I just have the trade. At the time, it wasn't on DC Universe or whatever, so maybe it was a little less than five years ago. But I remember just picking up the trade because it was the easiest way to get it, and really diving into it and and just really loving the story. I really do love this story. Yeah, and you know, I um like you said, I do have the prestige format, the the original release of Batman Ego. Um I picked it up at, at my comic shop a few years ago. Um I wanna say I wanna say the shop owner had like a twenty dollar price tag on it. And I, I grabbed it because I had never seen like the original before. And at the time it was like, man, that's a little steep for, you know, what's basically a tiny trade paperback. Um, and looking back now, it's, it's kind of a steal because they're, they're kind of hard to find nowadays. And also it's, you know, it's part of the Batman, um, it's part of that box set and, and it's, it's become kind of like a, a good want to have book. So I was glad I picked that up. But the first time I read it, of course, I, I picked up the, um, the, uh, Batman ego and other tales trade. Is that the trade you have, Joe? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first time I read it. And that's been, I, again, like you, I can't remember when that was. It was several years ago. Um, but what always strikes me about Darwin Cook is um, his art. When you, when you first see his art, I think you're, you think you're in for something a little different than what you finally get because his art is kind of very friendly and welcoming. It almost reminds me of kind of the animated series art. Mm hmm. And then just like the animated series, there is some deep storytelling that Darwin Cook goes into. So it's kind of like the, the art almost lulls you into a false sense of security. 
especially with something like the New Frontier. Because if I mean, if you see the cover of the New Frontier, it just looks very cheerful and happy. And sometimes that's not the case <laughs> with Tarum Cook's stories. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cool way of putting it because it is like an interesting balance. And mm-hmm. you're right; it almost gives you that. You almost feel like you're going to read like a Brave and the Bold story by looking at the artwork, and that is not what you're getting at all. No, no. But let's uh, let's dive into the the story itself here for a few minutes. Um, so basically, just a quick little synopsis: uh, the Joker's had a a crime spree to begin Batman Ego, and uh, Batman is pursuing a low level thug named Buster Snibs. Uh, who Batman had extracted the Joker's location from the previous night. And as we go through the story, we know that um, we know that Batman has already been physically and mentally exhausted. He's hurt. Um, he's got like a, is it, where's his wound? Do you remember Joe? Um, I do have it in front of me, but I know he's been, he's been grievously wounded. Um, as some, as you know, sometimes Batman stories start out with, so I know he's he's bleeding it's his heavily. Arm. Yeah, it's his arm. Okay, I just saw it on the page I flipped to. So he chases uh, he chases this thug to a bridge, and um, the thug has has gone up to the top of the bridge, and Batman thinks he's trying to escape, or he's got something hidden at the top of the of the parapet of the bridge. So Batman pursues him up to the top, and uh, he finds out that no, this guy is planning on killing himself. And Joker, oh, excuse me, Joker, um, Batman saves him as he tries to uh, plummet to his death and pulls him back up. And it all ends up being for naught because the thug shoots himself in front of Batman and he condemns Batman with his last breath. So uh, before we get deeper into the story, what did you think of this opening here, Joe? Well, it's funny because this is probably the third time I've read this. And mm. I, I always remember, you know, the the whole suicide thing in the beginning. And it was funny because I think it's tricked me every time I've read it. When Batman stops him from killing himself, I go, oh, maybe I remember this wrong. Maybe he doesn't kill himself. And then the the other twist comes and I'm like, oh, now I remember that. And yeah, it's it's such an impactful opening to this book. It, it gets you right away. And mm. I personally, and this is going to be probably a little unpopular... I love stories that deal with Batman failing. I think it makes it very interesting to start off a book where Batman has to overcome a failure. And it's, again, that is the point of this book is he, he fails in the beginning and his arc is trying to deal with that failure. It's not like the book ends on a failure and ends on a dark note. It, it begins right away with, with him having to deal with that. And what better way to, to grab you with, the twist on, you know, Batman does save him. He stops him from killing himself, but then you get that big reveal that we can get into. And the gentleman does kill himself. Um, it's, it's pretty rough. It is a dark way to start this book. And like you said, the art does not, (laughs) the art tricks you a little bit because and I love the art. I, I think it's beautiful artwork, but it does trick you a little bit. Um, you think, oh, Batman stops the guy from killing himself and we're going to get into a typical Batman story. And nope, it takes a turn and we are off. Uh, we are off on this journey with Batman from this point on. 
Yeah, and let's talk about that turn because I forgot to mention that in the in the little synopsis there. Um, the bat, you know, he's Batman thinks that at this point he's scared of of the Joker and retaliation, so he tells him, you know, that that the Joker is put away and he's not going to be able to harm him. And the thug basically tells him, you know, who, who do you think you're dealing with? This is the Joker. You know, he's threatened my family. Um, was it his his wife and his kids? How many kids? I can't remember. Anyway, I think it was just one kid, but yeah, yeah. he's threatened his family and uh, he knows that he'll make good on that. So to keep the Joker from being able to harm his family, the thug reveals that he killed his family before the Joker could get to them, which is a terrifying thought. I mean, you can see it. I, I love the panel of Batman's eyes, how when when the guy says, so I killed them myself. Just the shock on Batman's face. And I know we can never get like the white eyes and the expressive features in a, in a Batman movie, but man, I mean, it, it's, it's very effective here. Yeah, it's, it is his wife and his daughter. And it's one of those things when you, when you, and without getting too much into the whole uh, thought of suicide, it's one of those things where if you can't understand why someone does it, imagine how terrified they must have been to do this horrible thing and to put yourself in this guy's shoes of how terrified he was of the joker that he would rather take this upon himself to not give the joker the satisfaction it's a really terrible and terrifying thing to even contemplate and i'm listen i'm not justifying it but it it just makes for a a great you know reflection on the book it, it that's what it's doing it's making you think about oh man like what would you do in this situation if that was you i mean honestly if that was us we wouldn't be working with the joker so we wouldn't hopefully have to make that decision but mm -hmm. it just gives you a great look into what the joker does to these people and what that in turn gives to the batman to have to contemplate how to deal with these types of things. Yes. And again, it's such a crazy way to start the book. It is for sure. And it's the catalyst for, for basically Batman and the rest of the book. Um, because he, he definitely goes into a very introspective place. Um, one thing before we get there, I do want to mention, did you notice that the thug name drops Chucky soul? Yes, I did. And I wondered, I forgot to look this up. I always assumed Chucky Soul was specifically for um, whether it be Mask of the Phantasm or the animated series. Well, that's that's what I assumed as well. Um, if he exists outside of that in the Batman continuity, I don't know it. So maybe there's somebody screaming at us right now. If so, send us a message. We'll talk about it. But um, yeah, Chucky Soul was was a nice little name drop. So that instantly, especially with this art style and this kind of storytelling, definitely, you know, just gives you another tie there to the animated series. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, after Snib's death, uh, Batman is pretty shaken by it and he returns to the Batcave. Um, he, he continues to be consumed by guilt. Um, and as dawn comes, the guilt drives him to to pledge Batman's retirement. He's decided to stop being Batman. And. This is where it gets kind of, I guess, interpretive, because to me, um, 
he's he's very badly injured at this point. He's gone through a very traumatic ordeal. I don't know if if this is how do you take it, Joe? Do you think he falls asleep at this point, or do you think this is this is just a, a like a waking psychosis, or or what do you think? I always took it as like a hallucination, um, yeah, like an in, an internal, um, I guess debate, like an in, an internal, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess debate is the first thing that came to mind. Where he's he's having to deal with this internal struggle of mm-hmm. what to do and it's personifying as the Batman in an argument on what to do in this situation. Yes. So it's kind of like his, um, there's a, we see a physical manifest manifestation of Batman up here before Bruce, but it's, you know, it's obvious that it's not actually physical. It's like a, like you said, it's, it's kind of like the mind has divided itself. Um, and it's, it's Bruce, um, having this psychotic, almost mental debate with himself. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, you know, the Batman is something that lives within Bruce. And it's, it's this, this angry spirit almost that wants revenge for what happened to his parents and all that stuff. And this is kind of like, um, he's always been there and the death of the Wayne's, sparked this within bruce and this is kind of his his the beast within i guess you could say and this alter ego this what is called batman throughout the rest of the book is telling bruce that you know he can't he can't refuse his his you know his urges for revenge and things like that and it goes into a huge debate in the book so without covering every little little detail um between this debate between batman and bruce wayne what did you uh what did what were the big standouts for you joe um well first off like the the very stylized and ghostly looking batman you know, it's, it's to me, it's that's way of telling you, like, this is definitely a some type of hallucination or a dream. It's not a literal thing that's happening. Um, but there's so much internal debate and full disclosure. I probably read it a week ago by now. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember a lot of the the actual details, but the stuff with, you know, him failing with the Joker. Um, as far as like him creating Joker, um, just a lot of really good just internal struggles on dealing with being Batman and failing in general and how he needs Batman to get this out. Like you were saying before, there's so much, there's so much back and forth about whether Bruce is crazy or, or whether, you know, he needs, like you said, he needs Batman. That's the bottom line here is Batman is telling him, you can't just get rid of me. I am you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that. Um, you know, he's constant. This this Batman form is constantly calling Bruce a coward, and he's just kind of like poking the bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, he I I like that he reveals. You know, you call me Batman, but um, my name is Fear. So he's basically saying, you know, everything that Batman is is born of Bruce's fear, which is. It's really interesting. Really good take. And he mocks his his personal life. Like it, he's literally mocking how he pretends to be Bruce Wayne. Yes. 
Yeah, and you know his his kind of like his big, I guess, ultimatum or his, or his his best option that he presents to Bruce is you know we've got to kill the Joker. Mm-hmm. That's what the ultimate thing is. So so it's very representative of uh, all these other tales we've seen before where where Bruce is like, you know, it would be too easy to do that. That's, you know, that would be the easy way out is to reduce myself to their level and to do what they do and to kill the Joker and things like that. But that's, this shows you that Batman does have that internal struggle. He thinks about, you know, how easy it would be to just end the Joker. And then there would be no more tragedies like what happened to the thug on the bridge and his family. So it's it's it really makes you think it's 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 a little bit of a like I said, it's a light read. But I think how did I tell how did I say it to you, Joe? It's a light read, but it's a heavy read or something like that. Yes. And and it made complete sense to me, which was very funny. Um, But yeah, it's I mean, he goes into specific details. When I say he, I'm talking about the the ghost version of Batman. I guess like Mm -hmm. he's he's literally mocking him for so many different things when like he blames him for Harvey Dent, but also says, hey, that could be us. He's essentially telling him. Do your thing as Bruce Wayne, blah, 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 like mocking him for being Bruce Wayne. But when Batman needs to take over, I will take over just as just as Harvey's alter ego takes over and he relies on the coin and like that, you know, Bruce is then saying, well, no, he had, he's has a mental condition and the ghost Batman basically is telling him like, Oh, you don't think you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how he, he basically provides that option. How about we just kind of like split our psyche kind of like two face and, um, I won't be responsible for any of that stupid stuff you do as Bruce Wayne, you know, the playboy crap, and you won't be responsible for anything that I do as Batman. Basically, I, I think he's kind of presenting it as um, we'll have a split personality. Yes. And one won't realize what the other's doing, which is – I think that's that's such a such an interesting way to go about it because it's kind of like that's Bruce – that has completely lost his mind, that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he even says that, you know, he, he tells him, you know, um, Batman's rage unchecked kind of would lead to horrific consequences. So it goes even further into this back and forth. Um, but I also love the, the flashbacks to when Bruce was young and, you know, the, I, I always love when they do that in comics. I never get tired of it. I know some people do, but, I don't. I love little flashbacks of Bruce as a child and the time he spent with his parents. And you get a lot of that here. You get a lot of memories of, you know, Zorro. You get uh, a lot of kind of backstory into who and what kind of person Thomas Wayne was, Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool Um, because you see, you know, that. That Bruce saw things that probably didn't help with his psyche even before the death of his parents. Yeah. Going on the, the drive with his father Mm. for his father to attend to a sick patient and, and having to deal with death at such a young age prior to the death of his parents. That's something that we really have never um, experienced in a book, or at least I haven't with, with the story of, you know, young Bruce Wayne, where, I guess I always assumed the first experience Bruce had with death was his parents. 
So to see this as a different angle of his father failing to save a patient and, you know, Bruce really wasn't supposed to see any of that, but deals with it with his father and his father basically telling him it was his time. And Mm -hmm. having that heartbreaking discussion of we won't go before it's our time and knowing what happens Yes. And especially, I mean, it kind of rips your heart out when he says, you know, we won't, like you said, we won't go before our time and or or for a very, very long time. And Bruce asks him, do you promise? And he said, yes, I promise. And that's as Batman fans, we know what's coming. And that's that's heartbreaking. But that whole sequence really makes a lot of sense, because like you said, I had never thought about it before either. But with his father being a doctor. I mean, it makes sense that even if he didn't see it in person like that, he would see the consequences of of dealing with that yeah. that his father has to deal with. Exactly. So at some point, his father had to have come home and and been upset after a day at work. And even though you try to hide your kids from that kind of stuff, it's going to bleed out a little bit. And kids aren't stupid; they they perceive these things better than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So basically from here, I mean, just kind of going towards the end of the book, kind of tired of the deadlock between the two of them. Um, Batman conjures the gun that killed the Waynes. Kind of, I guess, another manifestation here. And he challenges Bruce to shoot him and free them from one another. Um, and Bruce is tempted, but he rejects the option and uh, gives bat uh, gives this Batman persona a counter offer that he'll take the guilt and the responsibility of his crusade as long as the Batman persona can accept that he must stand as a symbol of hope and and um, as well as fear, and they must never ever kill. And uh, the Batman persona accepts this compromise and vanishes, leaving Bruce's mind kind of intact. So. The whole the 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 option of ridding himself of Batman forever. What did you what did you think of that, Joe? And what did you think of how he got past it? Well, I think I think he get he gets past it as like we were talking about it being a hallucination. I don't think it's an argument that if this figure was real, he would have accepted it this easily. I think this is a an example of Bruce Wayne conquering his own doubts and his own fear more than him actually having a little literal conversation with some being because I think he convinces him in a literal sense he convinces him a little too easily do you do you understand where I'm coming from with that right yes so it's, it's an example of Bruce overcoming any doubts he has and just making that choice for himself And I think that's really important to understand here is that Bruce makes all these decisions himself. He's it's a it's a like it's a manifestation, like you said, of the character of Batman in his mind. But Bruce has to make this decision for himself. Yes. And I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of an allegory for, you know, this is the moment that Bruce decided, yes, what I do is worth it. And I do make it. I do make a difference. Um, so I, you, you, it's, it's impossible to think that someone like this wouldn't have doubts that they're, I mean, even 
very normal people such as us. I mean, we have doubts all the time over, you know, are the things that I do meaningful? You know, is what I do every day, does it make a difference? And you got to know that someone with this kind of responsibility and this kind of pressure and weight on their shoulders, they've got to think that to the upteenth degree. So I think that's really it's it's a really good allegory of Batman fighting with himself over um, if what he does means anything. And I, I really like that. So uh, but at the at the end here, we've seen that Batman, his mind is whole again. And uh, the following night, the Joker, the blah, blah, the Joker escapes custody again and takes a nightclub hostage. And uh, Batman, he's kind of refreshed and he's strengthened again. And and the book ends with him in the Batmobile speeding off to the rescue. So um, with the uh, the pictures of his parents. Yes. Um, yes. On the dashboard, which I think yeah. is such a, a powerful, a powerful way to end the book. Yeah, because it's that's it's that reminder. You know, why do yes. I do this? Which yep. is really, really, really cool. Um, so overall, Joe, um, any, what, what's, what's some, some high level thoughts on Batman ego? Well, I love that it, like we talked about in the beginning, I love that it, it starts with this huge failure and the Mm -hmm. whole book is, is Batman overcoming that failure. And like you had just said, he has to come to terms with that and he overcomes it and he makes the decision himself to realize he matters and he's going to have to overcome these failures to make sure he perseveres and he's still going to do his mission despite some setbacks. And there are going to be setbacks, especially if he, he makes that conscious choice to not kill his villains or kill his enemies. He has to just keep on with the mission and overcome that. And I think it's such a special way to end the book that way because to go from this huge failure in the beginning to end before he even goes on the mission to like you don't see the final confrontation with the Joker. The the victory is him going on the mission because he knows this is what matters. He's gonna keep mm. fighting the fight. And he's doing it for his parents. And that was something we didn't really talk about too much, but like it, he's doing this for his parents. It was, he made the vow to his parents to, this is his way of avenging their death is this mission. Yes. Well, and, and everything he does as Batman is a mm-hmm. way of, of avenging their death and, and kind of. Yes. The broad mission. I'm sorry. I should have specified that, but yeah, the, the mission as Batman, not this specific mission. Yes, and um, I I just really like that that Darwin Cook took what easily could have been just a monologue from Batman, you know, um, and in a bigger story, mm-hmm. you know, is is what I do worth it? You know, am I making a difference? Um, should I be doing something different? Should I kill these people? And what, again, what could have been very easily an inner monologue in a few little thought bubbles or whatever, he decided to turn into a full-blown story and to really just broaden it and get the broad strokes of what a manifestation of, of Batman's darker half would be and how this internal struggle would, would play out. 
And I, I, yeah, I just really love what Darwin Cook d- did here. Uh, it's, you know, it's one that I thought while I was reading it this time, this is a book I don't read enough. Um, cause you know, I don't think about it really when I think about, you know, top Batman books or anything like that usually, but it, I really enjoyed reading it. Uh, I think one reason I probably don't is it's, it's very, it's very melancholy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, you know, you want to see Batman in, sometimes you just want a good harrowing Batman story where you can, you know, you can get that fun of, of Batman swinging into action and things like that. And this is, this is very much an introspective story. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavier one, but it's one that I think I may read a little more going forward. Um, but before we move on, uh, I did want to talk about the art because of course this is Darwin Cook, um, written and drawn. So what do you think of the art here in Batman Ego? Well, I, I love the art and it, it oddly to almost contradict what we have been talking about. It does fit the story really well, which is hard to even put into words as to why, because going by what we were saying before is how the art looks comforting and looks, it looks like you're going to get just a, a fun story. Mm -hmm. It's not jarring to see this artwork with this type of writing. And I can't explain why Um, it just works. It's I think his art on the stylized ghostly Batman is really cool. And some can say it maybe could be a little cartoony, but I like it. I, I think it's not over the top. It's just the right amount of cartoony, but I really enjoy it. And I think the emotion on the character's faces comes across really well with this art. And that's important in this story. Well, and it really works for kind of that. um, I'm looking at the page right now where it's, where it's Christmas time, you know, Batman, the Batman alter ego has taken Bruce back in time, kind of, you know, quote unquote to show him Christmas and, you know, you've got Bruce in the center of this big Batman character. And it, it kind of reminds me of a Christmas Carol or a Christmas story. Christmas Carol? Christmas no, Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like Ghost of Christmas Past kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art really, really fits that. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And uh, honestly, anytime I can read some Darwin Cook, I, I really enjoy his art. Um, it does, like I said, it gives me vibes of Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Which which can also, as we've already said, can be dark and, you know, very adult. So and not even, you know, being gratuitous or anything like that, but just adult themes. Yeah. So and also, I mean, this is not as as deep as anything we've been discussing, but I really like Darren Cook's Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that old roadster with the bat. Uh, scoop on the front of it, bat the bat head scoop, and I really like it. But yeah, anyway, so there was kind of our thoughts on Batman Ego. Um, but we're not quite ready to leave you yet because spinning out of Ego, we uh, we thought a fun idea would be kind of to bounce some questions off of each other, and we don't know what these questions are. Um, j- this was Joe's idea, and we've come up with qu- kind of questions for each other to to speculate on what we may see in the Batman when it comes out in just a couple of weeks here. 
So I'm going to kind of get it kicked off since we just talked about Batman Ego. Joe, what do you think uh, influences Batman Ego is going to have on the film itself? Uh, what do you think is going to be there? And what do you think we won't see from Batman Ego so far as references and, and uh, themes? Well, I don't think we'll see a personified alter ego ghostly Batman figure. I don't think we're going to go that extreme. I mean, we could, but I, I don't see that happening. I do think he's going to maybe have some internal debates with himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to actually show that. But my biggest, I don't want to say prediction, but I gather we're going to see Batman fail early on in this film. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be. And he might fail numerous times in this film. Um, But I think that's going to be probably the biggest takeaway is something is going to really shake him. We know that this is a year two type story. And first of all, I want to say I do not usually like doing predictions um, because I don't I don't want to be let down if my predictions are wrong. But for some reason with this film, because we really don't know a lot about the story of this film, I thought it would be a fun thing to just kind of. Uh, shoot some ideas back and forth at each other. Mm. Um, and I've kind of learned how to just be okay if my expectations are are wrong. Because I think with this film, we really don't know anything about this film. So I really don't have any anything that I think is going to be an accurate <laughs> prediction. It's more just how I wonder if this happens or I wonder if this happens. And I'm more open to whatever happens in the story itself. But that that's my biggest thing is I think we are going to see Batman fail. I think Riddler is going to really give him a run for his money. Well, yeah. And, and like you said, this is, this is not really guessing what's going to happen. This is kind of just broad, very broad stroke speculation. Yeah. Um, and well, and what I said to you was I love looking back and seeing all these crazy predictions we had for past Batman movies that were just so off the, off the deep end and totally wrong. Um, like uh, the the examples I gave you were uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, was really not playing John Blake. He was playing Alberto Falcone. Um, I remember, mm. you know, Jenna Malone was supposed to be Batgirl. They even had a cast listing for that that was obviously false. So there's there's been a lot of crazy predictions that I almost wanted to throw these out to be like, I wonder what kind of stupid predictions we can kind of come up with that are going to be dead wrong. So <laughs> it's just a fun <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but so far as the influences from Ego, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think we're going to see, the you know, the – the dark side of Batman manifested in, in physical form or anything like that, but it would be wild as hell if we did. Uh, <laughs> I think that would throw everybody for a loop. Oh, yeah. um, but no, I don't think we're going to see that. I do think that um, the, the Riddler is going to be the catalyst for this introspection. Like the Riddler in this movie, I think is going to be the, what the Batman manifestation is in this book. He's going to be the one that pushes Batman and makes Batman question, am I doing any good here? What, yeah, that's you know, a really good point. Yeah, I, I think that's where the where the influence is going to come from instead of like, you know, just straight up. Because, again, these are influences. These are not adaptations. So, mm-hmm. um, But anyway, Joe, what's, uh, what's one you had for me? My question for you, and this is going to hit close to home for you. Do you think the Batmobile survives this film? 
Oh, you stole one of my questions. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I uh, so that's I just when was we haven't had a Batman serve a Batmobile survive a film. Like they, they have a tendency to just kind of destroy the Batmobile in these films. I mean, I know in begin I mean, I'm sorry, in um, you know, the Dark Knight, the Batmobile gets destroyed. In BVS, it gets pretty damaged and then it kind of gets some upgrades for Justice League. So I'm curious, you know, we see it destroyed in forever. Um I think it even gets destroyed in Batman and Robin, right? Doesn't freeze freeze it? Maybe I, I that it, sounds yeah. It definitely gets damaged. So I haven't watched yeah. that one recently for reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I actually just rewatched it. <laughs> oh, did you? I'm, I'm in the middle of my Batman rewatch from uh, the Batman. I'm trying to get ahead of it. So okay, I, I'm fun. pretty sure it gets at least battle damaged. So yeah, I I'm very curious. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it survives? Okay, so you you know. Um, I'm probably in the minority, but I'm one of the people that really, really loves this car. But no, I, I don't think it survives the movie. Um, I do think this is one of those cases where this is not an origin story for Batman, but this is still Batman. Uh, this is still a very young Batman, still kind of figuring everything out, kind of um, it, slowly heading in the direction of being the perfect Batman. And I think that... Uh, Losing things along the way and making improvements is definitely going to be part of the story that we see for this version of Batman. So I definitely think, unfortunately, I do think we're going to lose the car in this movie and then he's going to, whether it's, you know, building on what was destroyed or, you know, starting brand new, I do think going forward, we're going to see advance advancements in the Batmobile and we're going to see it souped up and changed and things like that in, in the future. So, unfortunately, no, I don't think it's going to survive. <laughs> what, what about you? Do you think it's going to uh, bite it in this movie? I do. Um, and I, I don't care either way. I, I don't hate the Batmobile. I do like joking about it with you because um, it's not my favorite. But I think um, I think a lot has gone into this Batmobile. Even the, I mean, the, the book, the prequel book to the movie... Uh, depending on how accurate that those books are to canon as far as the movie, it spends a lot of time about talking about the building of the Batmobile in that book. And the mm-hmm. Batmobile is basically the main character of that book. So I, I'm very curious to see the, you know, the car in action. Um, the little that we got, it does look awesome in action, but yeah, I, I'm okay with it being destroyed and, and moving closer to a, a more, flamboyant Batmobile. <laughs> I want to see something that looks, you know, a little bit more recognizable as the Batmobile. Well, and see, and that's where like, I can see the bones of this car becoming a really stylized and fantastic Batmobile. Yes. And I'll go with you there. I'll absolutely go with you there. Like I like it as, as it is. Um, but I also think it's a really, really cool starting point to be a, you know, a badass traditional Batmobile. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's something we may see in the future. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It depends on how grounded and realistic Matt Reeves chooses to keep the Batman. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Okay. Well, freaking A, Joe. Now I got to come up with. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, since I stole the one you had, so go, uh. <laughs> 
I mean, I have a couple written down if you want me to go again. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I, all right. This this most is kind of mine, your baby. <laughs> so. Well, most of mine are pretty similar. Um, it's all about because this is an early Batman. Most of my questions are going to be how how does this advance the story for a possible sequel? Which we all assume we're going to get a sequel. So, do you think we're going to get by the end of this film a newer bat suit? A newer bat suit. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of tire of the, um, of the whole. Every time we get one of these <laughs> movies, we see a costume, and everybody immediately goes, "Oh, well, this is just the early costume," and he'll get a new one later in the movie. Yeah, it's become such a trope with superhero. Um, yeah. And it used to be an old trope where I feel like sometimes it comes back when they try to do that gritty, realistic take. And mm -hmm. I almost don't want that because then people will say, oh, so we watch the whole movie in the realistic suit and then we finally get the comic suit for about 30 seconds at the end or something like that. So yeah. I also have the same question with the Riddler. Like, do you think we're going to get a more comics accurate Riddler look by the end of the film. And and my honest opinion is I don't think we are, but I, it's weird because I don't, I'm not against it, but I also feel like it would be a little too much of that trope, like kind of like birds of prey ending with the, the final costumes or the Punisher finally getting his shirt at the end of the Punisher series. And then, you know, never wearing it in season two for some reason again like there's it is kind of a trope where it's like oh show the costume to make everyone happy for a little bit and then that's I'll, it and I, I'll, I don't I'll say this their way i'll say this i think that's just this is just a little tiny tangent because my wife and i are re-watching punisher right now before it leaves mm -hmm. netflix he wears that skull a lot more in season two than i remembered oh really yes yeah, yeah I, I haven't watched i only watched season two once i gotta go back and rewatch it but i remember season one driving me nuts that don't we get the suit at the end of Daredevil and then he doesn't wear it in season one of Punisher? Yeah, you get it quite a bit in Daredevil. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's a tangent. That is a tangent and a half. But Yeah. <laughs> so with Riddler, I have – so this is an interesting speculation that I have that I don't even think I've told you. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen the Riddler. Um. The suit that we see in like the pr the promotion and the toys, I think, yeah. Rid the I think Riddler may have pawns. Okay. That he uses throughout the the story. That's um, interesting. We talked about that a long time ago. Did we? You. Okay. When, when the first trailer dropped, I was the one that actually said, "I don't think that's the Riddler," and I think you disagreed with me. <laughs> I may have, but the more I've seen, and this, I may be completely off base, and that's fine if I am. But I don't think we've actually seen the final look for Paul Dano as the Riddler. Well, and there's a reason we haven't seen Paul Dano at all. Like, right. Because we don't even see his face in the coffee shop scene, correct? No. You see we've the back. We've never seen Paul Dano's face. Right. You kind of see the back of his head and the side of his face, but yeah. you don't really see a full-on shot of Paul Dano. Yeah. And um, I, I don't care if that is the Riddler, personally, but I am very intrigued as to... Even if that is specifically him, why are we hiding his face? So I think I'm very interested in where they decided to go. There's got to be a reason for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think and there's a would, reason. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think that there's a reason why uh, Matt Reeves has kept this so mysterious because uh, mm-hmm. we all know what Paul Dano looks like. I yeah. mean, we're we're seeing him in interviews now, so I do think there's something fishy going on with with the marketing and why we haven't seen Paul Dano. Um, you know, because you haven't even got like the shot of him wearing the 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 jacket without the mask or anything like exactly. that. Yep. So it's very intriguing to me. But so far as going back to the bat suit itself, I don't think we're gonna see. Um, I don't think we're going to see a different bat suit in this movie. I I'm not counting it out for like the franchise. Mm-hmm. I do think we'll see different versions of the bat suit going forward because of course we will. Cause I got to sell toys. Yeah. But I think there's enough variations between the wingsuit and this, the, you know, the standard and everything like that. I don't think we'll see a, a different version of the suit in this yeah, movie. I, I don't either. I, I really don't. I remember, I want to say two years ago while they were filming some weird Reddit report came out about, yeah, he gets a new suit because the suit gets destroyed in a fire or blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how true any of this crap is. I sometimes I like reading it just to see how wrong it is. Like BVS, there was a rumor um, that like the flash shows up for the final act and all this stuff. Like, so sometimes I like reading this stuff just to see how ridiculous it is. I will Um, tell you this. um, If we do, like if we if if his suit gets destroyed or something like that and he has to build a new suit or use another suit from the Batcave or whatever, I don't think it's going to be as drastic as people think, like a, a drastic difference, because it would be jarring for me personally yeah. if we go from the suit he has that we've seen to something like Ben Affleck's suit. That would be insanely jarring. Yeah, I think it'll be a slow transition but we'll see I, I i'm open to whatever i'm i'm more curious to see what where we are where gotham is and where bruce is by the end of this film yeah and by the way and, i like the suit yeah so. i don't hate the suit I, I i don't hate it um i think it works for this type of film but i am curious to see where we're going after it so and my my other question to go with the riddler is do you wait think the riddler I, oh i'm sorry i i thought of one while we were Oh, go ahead. But, um, kind of along the lines of what do you think we'll see going forward? Uh, do you think that we will see either a Dick Grayson, Robin himself, like not actual Robin, but like we'll see Dick Grayson, or do you think we'll get seeds planted for Robin going forward in this movie? I personally do not think so. You don't? No. Okay. I kind of do. Okay. I, I, I don't think we're going to get Dick Grayson in this movie or whoever the Robin is going to maybe. think we're going to get like a Haley Circus tease or something? That's what I'm kind of thinking. I think we're going to get kind of instead of the, you know, at the end of the movie and Batman Begins, we get kind of that clue towards the Joker. I think we're going to get something, some little nod or something towards maybe – um. Hey, uh, I heard the circus is in town. Something like that. Okay, I remember that was the speculation of how Rises was going to end. Yeah, um, I think they could possibly do that. And yeah, and I'd be open with that. Hearing Pattinson's kind of intrigue and excitement for Robin, yeah, makes me excited for it. I know some people don't want Robin associated with Batman for some strange reason, but I would love to see uh, an actual Robin in a Batman movie. That's yeah, done yeah. right. <laughs> yep. yep, absolutely. So, okay, so what was your what was your one about the Riddler? 
do you think the Riddler survives the film? <sighs> this one's so tough because it it's is. hard. It, it's fun because, like, I want all these. I always want the villain to survive, but they kill him so much. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna say, I think, I think Matt Reeves is doing something very, very different with this franchise. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I think the Riddler survives. Okay. I think maybe he's um, maybe he's our introduction to these rogues going to Arkham in this movie. Yeah, or I can kinda, definitely see that. Or kind of in this franchise, like he's our first big Arkham, you know, mm-hmm. bad guy. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, I- I agree with you. I I'm kind of 50 50 on it. So just for argument's sake, I'm going to say, no, he does not survive. (laughs) You don't think he survives. Well, the interesting dynamic here is if you lock him up in Arkham, people are going to expect to see him again in the franchise. And that's, that's why I think so many of these directors choose to kill the villain because then you're kind of handcuffed. Cause you make the, yeah, it makes the director come up with a new story. Yeah, because then, because then it, well, it makes you come up with a new story, like you said, but it also, you know, kind of feeds that that audience expectation of, okay, well, we're gonna see this guy again. Yeah. So, yeah, I would like for him to survive. So. Oh, I would definitely rather him survive. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're gonna see plenty of death in this movie without having to uh, kill them, without having to kill the main villain. <laughs> So are there uh, are there any more you have, Jeff? I have one more. If you're if you're done, I have one quick one. Okay. Uh, will there be a Joker tease in this film? Oh. Well, you know, there's the speculation that uh, was it uh, Barry Keoghan? Keoghan? Yeah, I wasn't even going to go there because I don't know. Hey, um, what? Him why aside, why not? Yeah. We're speculating. You know, there is there is the kind of you know rumor that Barry Keoghan is on the is on the call sheet. He's supposedly listed as um, what Arkham inmate or something like that. Something like unseen inmate. So like he's just the voice. Like I don't know what oh, that means. No unknown, unknown oh, Arkham okay. inmate. That's what it is. So okay. you know, of course, there's a lot of speculation that he's going to be the Joker. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm open for castings. I'm I'm not one of those sticklers that goes crazy about, oh, God, that's a horrible casting. I haven't seen Barry Keoghan in anything that makes me think he would be a great Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, the first thing Which that means pops, he will probably be a great Joker. Oh, absolutely. He could be fantastic. <laughs> the yeah. last performance I saw him in was, of course, Eternals. Yeah. Um, and there was nothing there that I thought, oh, yeah, this guy could be a great Joker. Um, but again, I never thought that Heath Ledger could be a great Joker. So there's a possibility there. But outside of just that speculation of Barry Keoghan, I do think we get a nod towards the Joker. Because just like every director, every comic book writer wants their take on the Batmobile and the cave and the death of the Waynes, I think every creator that does Batman wants their swing at doing Joker. Mm-hmm. And I think Matt Reeves is no different. I mean, why would you not, you know, want to do Batman's greatest villain? So I do think we get at least a tiny nod. What about you? 
Yeah, I feel like there's almost too much smoke around that to not have some fire there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. There's got to be. And even if he's not particularly the Joker, mm-hmm. um, I think there's going to be something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you think do you think Barry Keoghan is going to be our Joker? Yeah. <laughs> there I mean, is while... a lot of smoke there. They're really. I don't know. I'll say yes. I'll say yes, because I think there is a lot of it would be really funny if he's not <laughs> at this point, because people are so sure that he is. Well, and that's that would be one of those, again, one of those Jenna Malone things. Yep. I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious if if we get into the movie and we find out he's another one of these throwaway Victor Zaz characters? <laughs> exactly. Like he, he could literally just be like inmate number two. Like, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Which I will say, I mean, that's kind of a bigger name to get to just be a throwaway inmate. Yes. I mean, he's not, I wouldn't consider Barry Keoghan like an A-lister or anything like that, but he's got enough name value. I think it's kind of weird just to have him as a throwaway character, but I could also see um, Matt Reeves doing something like that just to subvert expectations. But there was also never any press release that he's in the film. So that was kept quiet for a reason, possibly, too. So that's weird. And no trades have ran with the, you know, he's on the casting or the call sheet or anything like that. Exactly. Which is very interesting. So, yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff with that. And it'll be really fun to see where we come out of this uh, in what are we nine days away? As of this recording, yeah. Yeah, because it's next Tuesday. Yep. So, we're so uh, j- just to cover our bases there, um, don't expect, if you're listening to this, don't expect like a, like a review next Wednesday or anything like that, or, or the day after it comes out in IMAX. Um, I want to give everybody a chance to see this before we kind of do a review. So, it's going to be after opening day. I'll say that before we record and that's also due to to scheduling because we have we have issues scheduling sometimes (laughs) yeah and not to mention we probably are going to see the film at least two or three times before we record (laughs) i may have seen it three times before we hit record i'm already planning on seeing it tuesday thursday and saturday saturday i'm definitely going to see it because i'm going with my wife and yeah I'm planning on seeing it Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. So three viewings before we record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the only question for me is Thursday. I am off Thursday as long as I um as long as my babysitters are still secured on Thursday. Thank mm-hmm. you, mom and dad. Um <laughs> then uh I will be able to go see it Thursday for sure. So we'll uh yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun weekend. Uh I can't believe we're here already and it's been 10 years since we've seen a Batman solo film, which is insane. Isn't that insane? Oh my God. I can't, yeah, I can't believe it, but yeah, I'm excited for, for everything we've got coming for uh, coming forward from the Batman. Um, we also, I mean, we didn't even mention, we got another piece of music dropped. Uh, I'll ask you real quick before we end it. Did you listen to the Catwoman theme? Only once I, you know, not to, not to belittle it, it wasn't very memorable to me. It just seemed like a very quiet theme, which will probably work awesome in the film. That's my quick high-level thoughts. Uh, it was not a a theme that stood out to me, but they don't all have to stand out. It, it, 
you know, it's it's a quieter theme for Catwoman. It, it probably will work really well. I agree with you. That same same almost exact thoughts. Um, I I like it, but it's not. It did not stand out like the Batman and the Riddler themes. Um, so yeah, but uh, the the soundtrack is coming out very soon. I think we saw that Scott McClellan's already pre-ordered it, and it comes out like before the end of the month. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's kind of where we're gonna put a pin in it for this episode. Um, again, this is this is the last stop before you get a review from us. So I hope you guys have have enjoyed our coverage of the road to the Batman. We've I know we've had a lot of fun doing it. It's always fun uh, getting into the buildup of the Batman of a of a new big Batman movie. Uh, sometimes I think. And this is nothing against the films, but sometimes the buildup is more fun than the movie themselves. And that's that's crazy. It's almost like Christmas. You know, I that, was going to say the exact same thing. It's like Christmas. The the lead up to it is so much fun, and then it's almost like a letdown once it comes out because. Well, then it's not new anymore. You can yes. never, <laughs> you can never have that experience of seeing a new Batman film for the first time again. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. It's like Christmas day goes by in a blur. Sometimes that first viewing of the movie goes by in such a blur that that's why I need to see it a second time. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I actually heard somebody on a podcast say the other day, you know, um, somebody told them they were seeing, I think gladiator for the first time. And the guy said, I'm jealous of you. Because I would love to go back and see movies like that again for the first time. And that's yep. that's that's a good point because who wouldn't love to go back and see like The Dark Knight again for the first time? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting another first-time experience with a Batman film. And I, I know it'll be sad once it's done. But uh, you will hear our thoughts on that very soon. Uh, well, real on the quick, bright side, it's a two-hour and 55-minute Batman film. <laughs> so exactly. it's, a long, it's a long experience, which is nice. Exactly, yeah. The, uh, real quick, before we go, last thing I did want to bring up because we almost forgot it. Um, I wanted to mention there is a showcase on DC Universe Infinite. If you've enjoyed kind of the road to the Batman that we've done, if you want to do some more diving into stories that they they kind of have linked to the Batman, you can go to um, DC Universe Infinite, search the Batman, and uh, there's a showcase. You can see the the poster for the Batman comes up. You just click on it, and there's a showcase that has all kinds of Batman stories uh, in there. Yeah, I think there's a there's also a showcase tab, right, where you could actually click on that and it will pop up. That's one thing I wish they did a better job of putting stuff like that on the homepage. But yes. on, you know, luckily it's it's not that hard to find. It will pop up if you you know the showcase tab or if you just search in the Batman, that's great too. Yeah, because there's stories in there for you know, of course, Batman himself, and then there's Riddler stories, Catwoman stories, Penguin stories. So they've got you covered on stuff to kind of to if, if you're hungry for more Batman content and, you know, we're not quite there to the movie's release yet, you can go to DC Universe Infinite and get some really cool stuff. Did you read um, any? Um, well, you know, outside of Ego and uh, catching up on some stuff for the Batman Book Club, I haven't had a chance to dive in yet. But there's a – I want to read the, um, the, the Penguin Pain and Prejudice story. Yeah, that's the one I, I still need to read. Um, I've read a bunch of, I've read a couple of the one shots. Um, I've read the annual, the detective annual of Riddler, which was really interesting by, um, Chuck Dixon. Mm -hmm. And I read 
the two stories that took place right after Prodigal, um, which were Penguin stories, and they were a lot of fun to read. Yeah, so I think that Penguin story is on my list, and I have actually never read Dark Knight, Dark City. Oh, okay. So that's that's on my list. I'm going to read that probably before the, the movie comes out. But anyway, yeah, there's a suggestion for you guys if you want a little more Batman content before the movie comes. But um, until the Batman releases and until our next episode, Joe, tell us where everybody can find you online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as J411 and on Facebook as Joe Forno. But uh, yeah, starting, I guess only for a day or two, I will not be on there. So, <laughs> but um, until then, enjoy the lead up guys and uh, talk to me on there as much as you want. Very good point. Um, yeah. If, uh, if you, if you can't get up with myself or Joe um, for a few days, Leading up to the Batman, it's probably because we've shut down our social media presence because <laughs> we're trying to avoid all kinds of spoilers. But thank you again, Joe, for for being on and being an awesome co-host. Oh, thank you for having me again. Yes, sir. Um, so far as myself, if you'd like to find my personal accounts, that's Instagram and Twitter at me Carter eighty nine. That's M E Carter eighty nine. The show can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFR Batpod. Once again, our email is tfrbatpod at gmail.com. And if you take a moment out of your day to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, it greatly helps the show, helps us gain exposure, and helps other people find us. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or you send us an email, we will read them on the show. Also, Spotify has a star rating system now, so if you listen to us on Spotify, please uh, just take a second and give us a star rating on there so we know how you feel about the show. You can also now find a companion blog to this podcast. It's called the TFR Batcave. Uh, we have, uh, or I have a, uh, a new entry up on there kind of reviewing the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo Batman Omnibus Volume 2. That's my most recent published work on there. So go check that out at tfrbatpod.blogspot.com. We'd like to thank you guys for joining us on this journey to the Batman. And until the Batman comes out, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. Rindler's asking for you. Why is he writing to you? Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. You'd be surprised, but even a good man is capable of it. Lied to me, Alfred. My whole life.
Lost cause, Bruce. Maybe this is all coming to an end. The Batman. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. Only in theaters March 4th.